This is Covered Calls with Kevin Simpson, featuring expert insights and analysis from the industry's top investment professionals. If you'd like a deeper understanding of today's markets, this is the show for you. Thanks for tuning in to At Covered Calls. I'm Kevin Simpson. I'm the founder and chief investment officer of Capital Wealth Planning in Naples, Florida, where we manage over $5 billion. Joining me today is my good friend, Michael Farr. Many of you, I'm sure, know who Michael is, as he is the president and CEO of Farr, Miller & Washington, a DC-based wealth management firm, recently became a part of Hightower. Congratulations. Thank you. In addition to being a CNBC contributor, Mr. Farr has appeared on the Today Show, Good Morning America, NBC Nightly News, CNN, Reuters. He's everywhere. Everywhere. And in his spare time, Michael is also the author, an award-winning author, of three terrific uh, books. So thank you. thank you so much for uh, joining us today. We're extremely lucky to have you, especially this week, Michael, as we discuss the biggest topics in the investment world and think, thinking about the big topics this week. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. You can take your pick. The current turmoil around us is having and will continue to have massive ramification. And we're here to try to help financial advisors and investors watching figure out how to process some of this. So I'll start by saying that we're at a 10-year high in commodities. The median gas price in California has just crossed over $6 a gallon. Nationally, it's higher than it's ever been before. The Fed is certainly going to tighten, tighten, tighten. And Russia has invaded Ukraine and looks like it has no interest in, in giving it up until they take over. So the severe implications of all of these things are, are, are certainly going to take second-level thinking. But just from your perspective, Michael, how, how are you advising clients right now? Well, certainly we're advising clients to uh, do what they can to be dispassionate and disciplined. Uh, emotional times are when you make your mistakes, and that's just what we tell clients, and it's why we tell them that we have a plan, uh, an investment plan, and we set our goals. And when we do that, we describe parameters for volatility, for liquidity, and because we get that established ahead of time, we're able, we hope, to reinforce it uh, during times like this that are so volatile, so, are so emotional, and encourage clients to uh, stick with a plan and, and go outside and take a walk and turn off the television set and, and stay away mm -hmm. from the noise that's going to lead you to an emotional decision. Almost every emotional decision, Kevin, I've ever made in my career has been wrong. You and me both, brother. Yeah, uh, I think from a from a hedging standpoint, for financial advisors that are looking to help and work with clients, is it is it too late to hedge at this point? I mean, where where are we on that cycle? Yeah, I mean, yes, uh, a little bit. You know, when the water's coming uh, over the rails, it's not the best time to start looking for the lifeboats. Uh, I, I've never really had much respect for the advisors who prognosticate and then invest according to their own prognostication. The prognostication means that you really think you know what's going to happen in the markets and the economy over the next, whatever, six, 12 months. And you, these folks, you, you know who they are, Kevin. They come up with these great detailed plans about what the Fed's going to do, how market's going to react, and therefore you need to be in these sectors. And then eight months later, they say, oh, well, you know, it didn't work out. And here were the things that didn't go according to plan. Who would have guessed? Well, great. You were wrong. But if you actually put your client's assets into those categories in anticipation of your brilliance, 
the client's the one who ultimately loses. So the only responsible approach to investing, in my opinion, is to say, first, I don't know what's going to happen over the next six, 12 or 24 months. That includes today, certainly more today than, than almost ever. It's, it's, it's easy to admit your uncertainty with this kind of volatility. And then you've got to build a portfolio that's able to endure what the market may bring and enjoy what the market may bring. And it's got to be the self-same portfolio. Now, you're the expert in hedging, not I. So if there's an opportunity to hedge, I'm turning to Kevin. I mean, you don't want to turn to Far. Far is uh, steady as she goes, uh, the long-only manager. Well, we have a lot of common uh, stocks in each of our portfolios and Steady Eddie never made a mistake. I don't know that many successful and wealthy traders, but you and I certainly know countless successful and wealthy investors. And when you own a company that makes money, has profits and pays dividends, yeah. chances are you're going to be okay in the long run. Uh, let me tell you a quick Art Cashin story. You know, it was his birthday yesterday, and I was on the floor of the exchange to do one of the CNBC things, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago. And I saw Art, and he goes, hey, hey, Michael, what are you doing today? I said, I'm, I'm doing the TV today. He said, what, what do they got you talking about? And I said, you know, Art, they've got me on with some hedge fund manager who's up like 4,000% this year, and I'm supposed to be the slow money guy in the, in the punching bag here in this, in this next segment. And Cashin looks at me and, you know, he does this deadpan. He goes, yeah, yeah. You remember that uh, hot hedge fund manager five or six years ago, that guy, you know, the one that was up like a thousand percent? And I said, no. And he said, exactly. And he walked away. Well, <laughs> they don't last. They get lucky. They don't last. Uh, you, you bring up one of the just most wonderful characters in, in our, you know, in our lifetime, as far as the ties to Wall Street and, Jeff Sott and I would go to this floor and visit with our, you know, pre-COVID, of course. Sure. And uh, and no no day would it would be would end with more fun than walking across the street, and sitting there watching him hold court, and just being a part of those stories. And they never repeat, they never end. No. And they're always incredible. And uh, maybe this maybe this summer we'll be able to revisit that again and get to Bobby Vans and. See if the friends of fermentation are still around. Yeah, he'd he'd, he'd grab me on the floor, you know, particularly when I do the four o'clock show, and he go, "You got time to marinate a few ice cubes with me?" <laughs> uh, for those of you who haven't experienced it, there is no better. He's just, wonderful. Just no better person. Yeah. Um, speaking about great, brilliant minds of investing, we had the pleasure of doing something yesterday for Magnify TV with Jeff Gundelak and his. His, prognost his prognostications were not that um, positive, uh, to, to say the least. If I could you know, put a little positive spin on it, I'm, I'm not sure I can. Some of the things that he talked about, <laughs> Michael, it was horrible. I was going to cry afterwards. First thing, first thing he predicted were four 25 basis point rate hikes before the end of the summer, which I can see happening. Not, not, not a problem. Then, then he talked about oil and, and the idea that a 200-hour barrel of oil is pretty much a no-brainer at this point. And again, as disturbing as that is, you can kind of see that on, on the horizon. But what really took me back, almost shocked me was to, to the core, was he said, what I'm doing with money right now is I'm going to cash and I'm buying the 30-year treasury because his thesis was that if I can protect from losses, that that's going to be a win right now. He also thought that the 10-year treasury could slide back towards 1%, which would bring his 30-year bond investment up over the shorter term. But it seemed like such a bizarre take 
and and a disturbing take, but not that far fetched. Any any comment to to Jeff's thoughts from yesterday? I think Gunlock, in many ways, is exactly the person I described when I said you can't make these kind of forecasts and invest your clients money that way when it's their real money they depend on for living. You want to play, play. And Jeff is brilliant and Jeff has done very well. Jeff's guesses aren't better than anybody else's guesses. They're, they're, they're not. Is he a brilliant guy? Yes, but there are a lot of brilliant guys on Wall Street. So could he be right? Sure, he could be right. You remember a woman in 1987 named Elaine Garzarelli? Of course. Uh, all right. <laughs> see, see the, the, the problem with you, uh, Kevin, is you don't look old. Um, you know, I, I look like your father, but if you, if for those of us who remember back to 1987, Elaine Garzarelli called the stock market crash. And Elaine had this wonderful big hair. She yep. had this big permanent. She had this sort of huge hair and she was very taken with it, by the way. And she would flip it and she would do this like a share thing with the tongue, you know, and she go, and the hair would go like this. And, and she really thought she had it and she called it right. She called three other tops, none of which came true. She never, she tried to call a bottom. And I remember Don Hayes said she called a bottom so far. The only thing I know she got right was calling a top. You get a couple of things right on Wall Street, you get a following, you make money, and people think you have the answer. So what I'm going to suggest with a great deal of respect for Jeff Gundlach is that he does not have those answers. I respect his view, but no, I wouldn't start moving all my chips on the table based on Jeff Gundlach's view. Look, the the uh, two to 10-year spread right now is 25 basis points. Nothing that the Federal Reserve is going to do in this country is going to take any sting out of the price uh, increases in oil, commodities, basic materials, grains, corn, any of it. Those are all supply chain issues. They're constraint issues. They're being driven by a war in Eastern Europe. And our Fed removing cash is not going to help take the you know uh, heat out of, of the inflation here. So it now has a life on its own. The Fed's very tough job is how... Do they not kill the economy and still try and, uh, and squash inflation? Well, inflation is one of those things that inflation itself can take care of. Prices get so high, people can't afford it. Can't, just can't afford to keep buying, and therefore the demand evaporates, right? So you talk to the Californians about $6 a gas. They're going to limit trips. They're not going to take long road trips. They're going to start changing. You know, lower income, moderate income Americans can't afford these changes and they're going to change their buying habits. How much will the Fed need to do? I don't even think it's four. Uh, I think it could be two. And I think you could see a 2019 reversal from Jay Powell any day now, at least a hit of the pause button. Well, I got to tell you, I wish we had been talking with you yesterday, Michael, because you make me feel a lot better. I mean, let's go to the point. What I'm saying is we don't know and neither does Gunlock. Um, I'm not telling you that I know either because I sure as hell don't. Well, it's not changing the, the thesis on how I invest. So, you know, right. we're, we, we, and, and you're the same way. I mean, you and I share a, a, a deep sense of, you know, quality, value, and, and old fashioned fundamentals. But from the standpoint of a Fed now challenged to, to get this inflation under control, you know, you bring up Econ 101. If you raise prices, eventually sales go down. 
So it's a, it, there is a sense of a self-fulfilling prophecy that inflation can take care of itself. But what also scared me yesterday during some of these conversations was the reality of, of stagflation. And I watch TV all the time and I think, oh, it's not going to happen. But it is a unique scenario where the Fed tightens as the economy is slowing. And I'm just wondering, since I've never seen that, and thank you for the compliment, I've been in the business 30 years and it's just not, not an environment that I can um, think, th think about from my experience. But how, how problematic is it if, if it even is? Sadly, I do have that experience. Um, uh, I was I was reasonably young at the time, but uh, I, I think stagflation probably happens. Um, uh, you know, I think stagflation happens. I think we probably go into recession here. The odds of recession are exceptionally high, I think, this time, even higher than normal. 13 Fed rate hiking cycles over the last 13, going back to 1940-something, nine have led to recession. Okay, this one's tougher than most. And and we've got a certain type of inflation that the Fed can't really affect. So will that happen? Okay, so yeah, it could happen. Stagflation, recession, those things happen. You know, we've lived in a very strange monetary policy-driven decade, really since <laughs> 09. And, 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 and we haven't seen real recession. We haven't seen anything really go that wrong because the Fed hasn't let it and they've fueled this with a lot of cash and they've kept us going on opium and we haven't felt any pain. These things are normal. So, okay, so you go through a year or two that sucks and, and, and it, it happens and then you come out the other side. We've come out the si other side of every one of them. If for some reason the world ends, then okay, we don't have a problem. But odds are 10 years from now, we'll have more money from our investments if we don't panic and if we don't screw it up. Well, I think the takeaway then for our financial advisor audience and our investor audience is that there are opportunities here and that the investors that over the past three years during a super cycle that would buy the dips on high multiple speculative stocks, the game has certainly changed. But looking for opportunities as the multiples compress, I was just thinking about Merck and 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 Cisco and just the, the compression of some of these stocks from a valuation standpoint. Like you can be buying in here for sure. You can be adding to quality. And and there are opportunities across the board that we're looking at and, and taking advantage of, but not in one fell swoop. But just, you know, what is the old school dollar cost averaging approach to investing? It doesn't. It, it almost never fails, right? And I think I think that could be some really good takeaways from today's conversation. I think that's important. I, I actually think that that you know two things have to happen for advisors during markets like these and times like these. One, one is you have to stick with your discipline as dispassionately as you ever have before. That's number one. So you've got to basically walk the talk. Now's the time, folks. Walk the talk. Number two. Talk with your clients. If you were ever a stockbroker as I was in the 80s in Wall Street, the one thing they drummed into our heads was you do not lose the clients you're talking to. They can be screaming at you. They can be yelling at you. That's great. If they're not talking to you, they are talking to somebody else, particularly if they're not happy. So this is a time to communicate with clients, communicate and over-communicate. And as you communicate, don't rosy things up for them. Look, this is a difficult time. No, we don't understand what Putin's going to do. No, we don't understand how high gas is going to go. 
Yes, we understand wages are going higher and profit margins for S&P 500 companies and every company are going to go down because we have input costs rising. Huge one of those is labor. We know that rents and shelter costs are going up. The Dallas Fed came out with a great report a couple of months ago showing how shelter rent costs follow housing increases in prices. We know what's happened there. So we know that that moderate and lower income swath of the economy is going to get squeezed even more. Add the gas prices. So we, we don't have an economy that's going to just go on fire here. Tell the clients, look, this is going to be rough. And here's why we're well positioned. And here's what our discipline is. And we have been through this before and not just once and twice. I've done this. I was went, sat through 1987. I sat through the dot-coms. I sat through 9-11. I did the financial crisis. We've done this before. It is not pleasant. It is, in fact, harrowing. And a lot of this white hair came from some of those moments. But I'll get through this one, too, by sticking to that discipline and talking with these clients. That's a great, I think that's a great way to close the segment. I mean, it, it's reminiscent of the Ray Dalio comment, you know, hey, this is just another one of those and we'll get through it. And, it, and if you have companies that pay dividends, you know, boy, that's, that's a nice way to ride through and wait out a storm. It, it, you, that's the whole point. Uh, we'll ride out the storm. And when you're riding out the storm, you know, you want to call somebody, call Kevin. Call us at Hightower. Call me at Farm Miller. I'll help you. I don't care if you just want to talk about something. I'm happy to talk and happy to discuss with fellow professional colleagues. But, but this is when you call somebody and say, I need some help with the discipline. I want to hear about what we should be saying to clients. Uh, the discipline will get you through. And owning quality is how rich people get rich. You know, when I was a young broker and cold calling, which is what I did nonstop for days to build my business. Hello, Mrs. Jones. How are you? My name's Michael Farr. Mrs. Jones. Hello. Hello. That's, that's the way most of those calls would go. Um, when you would talk to people or find those folks who had portfolios and had larger accounts, every one of them had a position of IBM at $2 a share. And it was worth, you know, $100,000. And I remember my eyes would just bug out and think, how could they do that? How could they do it? They didn't sell it. They owned really good stuff and they let it work for them, not for a year or two. They didn't get the quick hit we've gotten in recent years. They got the benefit of decades and compounding without the intrusion of capital gains taxes. This is how you build wealth. If you want a trading portfolio, I don't know how to do that. If you want to have something exciting go on with your investments, I don't know how to do that. But if you want to get to the other shore through this hurricane, uh, we might have some motion sickness on board and we may have some folks over the rail, but we're going to get you safe to that other shore and the sun will be shining. Stick with us, stay disciplined and, you know, follow the Brits advice. Keep calm and carry on. This too shall pass. There's nothing else to say. Michael Farr, thank you so much for joining us today. And I do feel a hundred times better. I'm so glad I was able to fix Gunlock. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Take good care. Thank you. This message does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to purchase securities through CWP Advisory Services. Investments are not guaranteed and involves risk of loss. 
The views and opinions expressed in this message are those of investment professionals made at the time this content was recorded, are not necessarily the views and opinions of CWP, and may change in time without notification. For additional information about CWP, visit CWP's or the SEC's website for a copy of our ADV Disclosure Brochure and Form CRS.